0: Hello and welcome to the Lights on the Screen podcast. I am your James Cameron, Stan, and host Jacob, and with me as always is Titanic super fan Taylor. How are you?
1: You know I'm pretty good. I'm uh, I'm hanging in there. You know <laughs> we're here to talk. It's been about a it. long week. <laughs> yes, it's been a long week with a lot of Avatar.
0: Yeah, and we are of course joined by uh, the one who watched Aliens via Zoom, Elena.
2: <laughs> I can't believe you remembered that. Okay, it was, it was COVID, it was film class, what were we to do? <laughs> um, hello, I'm great. Yeah. I'm as good as I can be after a nine and a half hour shift of Avatar opening weekend, so we're here.
0: Yeah, well, it's finally here. The biggest movie of the year, 13 years in the making, James Cameron has finally delivered his long-anticipated sequel to the highest grossing film of all time, Avatar The Way of Water. Before we get into that, however, I do have a question for you all.
1: Mm -hmm.
0: What is your willingness to give five stars? So what, like, do you have certain rules or is it just more of a feeling?
2: Considering I gave Minions the Rise of Crew five stars, I'm pretty liberal with my five stars. (laughs) (laughs) I honestly, it's just any movie that I just like. Thoroughly enjoy, especially on Letterboxd, at least. My five-star films are just like my favorite films, anything I really enjoy. Um, If I'm being more critical about it, like a five-star movie would be something I consider to be like a masterpiece. Nothing that you can change about it. But yeah, I'd say I give them out pretty
1: easily. Tell. Yeah, I feel like there's definitely kind of a two-sided deal going on. like. One of them will be I walk out of a theater and I just like am feeling so much like all of the emotions are just happening. And then I'm like, all right, fine. Like when when we watched Guillermo del Toro's Pinocchio and I spent five minutes in the theater sobbing, I was like, yep, that's five stars. My whole being has been ripped out and <laughs> and I'm experiencing a lot of things. So there'll be circumstances like that where it's like. I'll just have such a personal, like emotional reaction that it'll get five stars or there are the ones where it's like over time I'll watch and rewatch a movie and then I'll grow to appreciate certain things about it or like whatever it is. And technically it's such a good movie that I'm like, yeah, that has to be five stars. So it's, it really just depends. Um, There are quite a few, I think there's quite a broad array of kinds of movies that have five stars for me. Um, I'm trying to think if I have one that's like my minions, like five star movie where I was just like, "Bam, five stars," and people would be like, "What the hell?" are you I probably have one. I don't know what it is, but I'm sure you could find one where you're like, "Damn it!"
0: Um, ooh, that actually, I, I I need to have a look. I mean, okay, well, my biggest one that everyone would be like, "Why?" is probably Robin Hood, but that's just uh, because yeah. that movie means so much to me, and I love that film so much. Um, I'm very, very, very hesitant on giving five-star films. I, I do not – I am not kind with five stars. I will on a second and third viewing. That's when I start to go – if I if I watch a movie for a second or third time and I have that same reaction – so, if I, like, watch a movie for the first time and I adore it, it – damn it, trying not to use that word. <laughs> <laughs> and I love it um, – <laughs> And then I and then I watch it a second second time, and I have that same reaction. I'll generally give it five stars. Um, tick tick boom had that. That was one that the first time I watched it, it was four and a half, and then I watched it again and again and again. And okay, no, that's a five star film. Um, so far this year, I have given one movie that it isn't even from this year, but it's the first time uh, first time watch, and I gave it five stars, and that was The Shining. So wow. everything. Yeah,
2: I, was, I was just looking at your like twenty twenty two list. And, yeah. Yeah. You haven't given a. Film no, from I, this don't have, year. I don't it's have. It's only a five four and a half. Yeah,
0: I, I, I don't have a five star. To be yet, fair, if
2: I did like four and a half stars, if I did half stars, I'd probably lessen them to four and a half. Yeah.
0: But. Like I, I just don't like using. Uh, to me, a five star film is a really big deal. Like it's, and I don't like doing it on a first watch. I think a, a five a five star movie needs to be something that. I'm willing like it needs a replayability to it and it needs a, an ability for me to be like wanting to go into the into it and watch it over and over again. And that's kind of why I'm a little more hesitant to put give films five stars.
1: See, I have four this year that are five star films and two of them fit your criteria yeah. for sure. The other two don't. <laughs> But like Elvis and Top Gun Maverick, I've seen respectively like combined like 20 times. <laughs> so I think I'm allowed to give them. Yeah, yeah. I'd be a little weird <laughs> if those weren't five stars. <laughs> but then Pinocchio, I've only seen once. But we've seen Batman three times now. Yeah, we've watched Batman. We've three watched times the Batman so. three times now. So I'm pretty comfortable with mm. that. But those are the ones from this year that have five stars for me. So like, I feel pretty good about that. Like personally with how I do yeah. five stars, and there are probably a couple that would have gone up if we would have had time to rewatch them. Yeah, at this point, but there's just a couple we haven't gotten around to, mm. which I'm assuming on a second watch will probably go up. But
0: where are you at this year with five stars?
1: I've got six. Wow, movies like from this
2: year, yeah. from 2022, that are five stars, um, which is basically like my top six. <laughs> um, everything everywhere all at once was four stars when I first watched it just cause I think it was a bad cinema experience mm. and yeah, I just like got tuned out like halfway through. And so I gave it like a four star, but then I rewatched it at home properly and yeah, I was like, uh, yeah, five stars, five stars.
0: I really like, need to rewatch that. You do. I really need to rewatch that movie. Mm-hmm. Yeah. It, oh. it has a
2: good re- replayability. Like mm-hmm. you pick up way more on the second. Yeah.
0: So, yeah. All right. Well, uh, Let's move on to our uh, big topic this week. But actually, before we get into that, sorry. Uh, what have you guys been watching this week?
1: So, re-watched the first Avatar for the first time in 13 years. So, that was <laughs> a big accomplishment for me. I didn't remember a single damn thing from it. <laughs> I sat there and basically watched it for the first time again, which was an interesting experience. Um, I definitely got more enjoyment out of it this time, I think. Um, Like, I just appreciated more about it this time around, especially having perspective now of what kind of, you know, VFX we were getting to a witness in 2009. And now looking back and going, wow, those still look really damn good compared to a lot of the stuff that we're even getting that comes out now. Um, So I enjoyed it. I'm still probably, like, considered a hater for giving it four stars, but it's fine, whatever. Uh went to see Top Gun Maverick again because they brought it back to theaters and graced us with that kind of gift. So I did that. Um, And then I watched Fire of Love, which is a really great documentary um, that I enjoyed quite a bit, um, actually. I didn't really think I was going to be watching a love story about a volcanologist couple who goes and explores volcanoes and gets way too close to danger for any of my personal comfort, but some of the footage that they were able to get and some of the studies they were able to do for being so willing to do that and not even just being willing to do it, but being so passionate about it was really, really cool. Um, I really liked the style of this documentary. It was artistically really cool, but it also was informative. Um, It wasn't difficult to understand. It was a really cool introduction to that kind of topic for someone who didn't really know anything about it. Um, and it was just cool to see people be so passionate about something, um, especially when it comes to, like, the environment and, and things like that. It was really, really good. Um, I would recommend anyone check it out, to be honest. Um, and then I watched Interview with a Vampire. So that was my <laughs> film week. <laughs> we Listen, listen, we need to bring back that aesthetic ASAP, right? We need, <laughs> we need the long hair wig vampire moment. We need to bring it back. That's all. That's all I'm saying. We're really we're there's a giant gaping hole in the market <laughs> in the market right now. And if I have to be the one to write it, I will. I'm just saying <laughs> someone needs to do it. So that's where I'm at currently.
0: Elena, uh, I know you've 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 spent quite a bit of the last uh, week watching movies.
2: Yeah, um, considering I have a uni degree to do, uh, I watched 21 movies in the last week. <laughs> none of them to do with my film degree so that's even worse um, it's
0: what happens when uh house sitting and being bored
2: yeah exactly and i was like i could have done the uni work at the house sitting but no i was watching movies all day with the cats um anyway but yeah i um got around to quite a few movies but i'll only talk about a couple of them um i also watched fire of love we randomly watched it at the same we time did. without intending it which i saw in a tweet about it and then taylor by the way no we didn't specify that but yeah So saw taylor tweet about it and i was watching it as she tweeted about it and i was like are you watching fire of love right now and then i think we were at the exact same and point I was like, as yeah, well. I'm halfway through it and she was
1: like excuse me
2: <laughs> <laughs> what it was so random anyway but i also really enjoyed fire of love that's a definitely a recommendation um but i finally got around to pearl which doesn't have an australian release but um <laughs> Not going to say how I watched it. (laughs) (laughs) Anyway, it was really, it wasn't really good, actually. It was just good. I was underwhelmed, but I also had the same effect on X. Mm. I wasn't high on X like everyone else was. So I liked this one better than X because I just love a good origin story. But it was weird as hell. If you don't like, if you don't like weird strange horror movies with protagonists that do really weird and strange things. Don't watch it. Um, had to turn away for a bit. It was a bit crazy, but I mean, if you liked X, you're going to like this. So it's, Mm. it's good. Um, and then I went to the cinema and watched white noise ahead of its Netflix release, which I saw all the bad reviews and I was a bit nervous. Um, but it was, I loved it. And I was just like, so into it the whole time. Um, and the closing credits is just like a five-minute dance sequence in a supermarket, and it's the greatest cinema moment of the year, to be <laughs> honest. Like, step aside Avatar The Way of Water. Baumbach <laughs> just directed a fucking dance sequence in a supermarket. Um, but, no, this was, I think, if you, it's definitely his most epic work yet because it does have quite a, lo- a lot of visual effects and a lot of themes that are a bit chaotic as opposed to his other movies, which I really enjoyed him like stepping into that. And the acting's great. I do think Greta Gerwig should stick stick to directing though. I don't know. I don't like her acting. I don't know what it is. Does anyone else agree with that?
0: I I honestly don't watch enough of her actual movies.
1: Yeah. I've only seen her in Frances Ha and I didn't mind her in it. So I don't, I don't have enough. She just seems too like theater acting. I feel okay
2: as opposed to screen acting. It translates dif- like weirdly, but anyway, <laughs> recommend it. I think it's out on the thirtieth of December on Netflix.
0: Yeah, I think it's like a new like just at the end mm. of the. Yeah, it's like one of their last movies of the year.
2: So once it comes out, please check it out. You'll love it. Uh, and then I also rewatched Tar since Biff because I. I technically didn't watch it the first time. I was asleep half half of the movie. And I was hoping that on a second watch I would appreciate this film like everyone else does and to be honest it's still at 3 stars for me. Jacob shaking his head. Um I know. I while well, I appreciate its masterful screenplay and the acting and directing I just I it still took me like 3 days to watch and I just like wasn't that into it. And that's me. I'm not going to talk about the other. Did you do 19 Batman? Mo- I did rewatch Batman. Yeah. Yeah.
0: Did it, where did it. Is it in your top 10? No. No. It got knocked out. Dropped out.
2: So I rewatched and I was like, yeah, nah. Okay. Has to leave. I had to pull something else up there. Wow. Um, but yeah. And then I also rewatched La La Land 2,000 times. A thousand times. This week, times. But yeah. <laughs> <laughs> That's
0: me. Yeah, I, uh, I've i been really bad with movies uh, for the last week and a bit because I, I don't know what it was or what got me into this, but I just fell into a West Wing like, rewatch, rewatch yeah, yeah. and I'm like two seasons in in a week, which is really not good because like, this is like old school network television where it's 20 episodes. They went for 40 minutes each <laughs> oh. and I've just like watched all of them. <laughs> I don't know why, and yeah, I've just gone on a sorkin kick. I guess so. Yeah, I, I, I was. I've been rewatching West Wing, which is a really great show. Like, if you've never seen it, it's on Stan. It's really great. It's about the inner workings of the White House. uh during a, a it's it's during the nineties, so it's actually pre nine eleven, which is yeah. fascinating. Um, and yeah, I, I I really love this show. It's it's really great. It's um. Really interesting because of how different it was considering where the White House actually was at that point because it was coming out of the Clinton administration and going into Bush. And here is Jed, who is a very democratic um, uh, politician. And, yeah, it's, it's very fascinating with where the world, where its idealization of politics compared to where the world actually went, so... It's it's just an interesting look of, of time capsule considering it's 25 years old and does not really speak to where the world is anymore at all, oh, especially after the six years we've just had. <laughs> so Interesting. Yeah, no, I, I've just been diving back into that. Uh, and then uh, that's really all. And then playing PlayStation. About, you
2: haven't watched a single movie? I,
0: no, I have not watched wow. a single movie in the last week and a half, outside of Avatar. Like yeah. outs- I, I rewatched the first Avatar movie. Um, I actually did it after I watched Way of Water.
1: Yeah, you did it the other way around. Yeah, Aww. so I went and
0: saw because so I'm pretty good with remembering movies. Like I'm not someone who needs to sit down and rewatch a movie from the like before I see the sequel. I can pretty much remember what happened. And so I went and saw Way of Water, and then you wanted to sit down and watch watch avatar before the new one before you went and saw it because i saw it before you and that's so i just sat down and watched it with with you while you while you were watching it but that was really it like i i still really enjoy that movie it's i think spoiler i think way of water is a better film than avatar um avatar has avatar is a fun movie but it's got a lot of problems, but again, it's directed so well. It, my my review of Way of Water and of Avatar are very, very similar, and we'll we can we'll get into it. It's like all the same problems I have with Avatar are the, are the same that I have with Way of Water, all the same, but we can get into that when we talk about Way of Water. So before we do start talking about Way of Water, uh, let's just jump into this is easily the biggest news story of, of the week in... Uh, basically film media, which is uh, James Gunn has completely taken over DC and is definitely taken over and is controlling exactly what's happening. This Uh, might
2: mean I actually care about DC.
0: (laughs) So the biggest news that came out of it is Henry Cavill is no longer Superman and Wonder Woman 3 is no longer happening. Well, it is no longer happening the way that it was originally and Patty Jenkins is no longer doing Wonder Woman 3. Uh, Taylor, do you have any thoughts?
1: I mean, yeah, but (laughs) they're not good thoughts. (laughs) Like, I just don't think it's a smart idea, um, to put the, this creative, this whole creative overarching endeavor in the hands of one of the directors. Um, I think you need a producer like Kevin Feige. Um, and I just don't think it's going to end well. Personally, like, but then again, DC's shit doesn't end well anymore, so whatever, like, go for it, I guess, and see what happens. Um, I think it's a bad look that they made this whole big we're going to make things right with Henry Cavill and he's going to come back, and then all of a sudden that's not happening anymore. So I think that was bad on their part to do that when clearly they knew this was the direction they were going to go in. Um, And I think... I don't know. I also think it's really messy to do this right now when you still have Shazam Fury of the Gods coming out. You still have the second Aquaman movie coming out. You still have the Flash coming out, which was supposed to be your big jumping off point for starting this version of the whole universe up again. So the way that this has been handled um, from like a PR perspective, I think, has been kind of a nightmare. Like there's clearly no organization to like how this whole rollout and how this news came out. Um. It's just kind of messy, which I think is an unfortunate way to try and start off this new chapter. Like if you're wanting to go clean slate and show that you're serious about rebooting this and have it be successful, I feel like this is not the front that you put out to do that. Um, I do hope that it goes well because I don't want it to be a mess. I don't want it to feel like they don't know what they're doing with their universe and that we're never actually going to get anything cohesive from it. But um, I'm not particularly optimistic at this point. I'm just hoping that they leave the Batman and Matt Reeves and Pattinson alone and like let them do their thing and don't mess with it, at least until that trilogy is done. And then they can think about messing with it if they want. But I don't know. I guess it's just kind of I'm I'm of two minds about it because I'm not a huge fan of Affleck's Batman not a huge fan of Ezra Miller as The Flash, even before everything came out. Like, when the casting was originally announced 5 million years ago, I was not a fan of The Choice, and then I watched the movie and was definitely not a fan of The Choice. Um, And there were just a lot of things I did like. Like, I like Margot Robbie. I think she's fantastic. Um, You know, I liked Henry Cavill in the role. thought he was really good. And so there's just... Part of me is like, it might just be best to start over because I was so half and half about things in the first place. Um, But I am also just kind of tired. (laughs) I'm like, we're all right, let's try this again and hopefully get it right this time. Because I don't know if I want another reboot again after this for like another 10 years. Like I need, I don't know if I'm going to be able to do it again, but I hope it goes well. I... I'm curious to see what James Gunn's actual role is going to be. If he is going to be more of the Kevin Feige role and just focus on like controlling the arch of the, like of all the, whatever we're going to call it, the world of DC or the like whatever it is, if he's just going to be overlooking and making sure they all connect and are cohesive, or if he is still going to be trying to direct films or what that's actually going to look like. Um, I really hope they focus on just making strong origin quote-unquote movies before they even try to make anything Justice League or Flashpoint or whatever else. Um, Just focus on building strong character introductions. I kind of hope that James Gunn isn't doing any directing because I really hated The Suicide Squad a lot. Like It was probably one of my least favorite DC things that has happened in a while. And I know that so many people loved it, and that's great. I'm glad they did, but personally for me, if that's the direction that it's going in, I'm probably going to take a step back and just enjoy my my The Batman (laughs) trilogy and let everything else kind of happen. But yeah, I'm trying not to get too negative or too hopeful or too anything at this point just because I feel like DC and Warner Brothers have done a lot of announcing things and then it just all kind of falls apart before any of it eventuates, Mm. so see what happens, you know? Atlanta? Um, I do not. And I probably will
2: not ever care about DC outside of like, yeah, the Batman. And I don't know, I'm just not invested. So I like movies like the Batman that I like stand alone and I can just like watch it and really enjoy it for what it is. Plus it's like great filmmaking and it's kind of like just outside of the Shazam and the Black Adams and all that kind of stuff. Um, unlike Taylor, I really liked the Suicide Squad and that kind of world of, like, Suicide Squad, Birds of Prey, I really enjoy. Um, but besides that, DC isn't for me. And uh, sorry to all of the DC bros who are <laughs> devastated about the news this week. I simply <laughs> scrolled past it all.
0: Yeah, I look, okay. Um, DC, I've always been DC over Marvel my entire life. I've always been a Batman, Superman Flash, Justice League. I've always cared way more about them than the Marvel films, uh, than Marvel, the Marvel comics. Even, but I have, I can fully acknowledge Marvel have done the films way, like they've at least done a cohesive universe for the last decade and a bit, way better than DC have. Now, DC film the Snyderverse. While I'm not its biggest fan, and I think there are problems, it's at least taking a giant swing and it's not, I wouldn't call those films safe where like DC have been a lot more willing to be, to take risks and be different and try and be like, no, we're filmmaker driven. Whereas in Marvel films have been very safe and no, we live in this formula in this box. And these are the films that we're making. And that's fine. Like that's kind of why that, that kind of perfectly encapsulates the difference between Marvel comics and DC comics for me personally. And I admit that the, where, where DC's been going for the last five years hasn't worked for Warner Brothers. You just look at the box office results. You just look at the fact that critically they're massively divisive um, and most of the films just do not play well for most audiences. Um, and I completely understand that and I, can comp- and I get this whole Henry Cavill thing makes sense to me. You needed a fresh I think it needed a fresh start. We're rebooting, we're going through, we're we're restarting everything, and it make it makes complete and utter sense. I get all of it. I am a little disappointed though that you know we're gonna that I thought these characters were cast really well for me personally. I, I really like this cast and I think that the fact that they're now gonna go, no, we're just rebooting all of it, that is disappointing for me. But um at the same time it's I think, an inevitability of new management coming in and seeing just how poor DC has been run over the last decade. And, you know, like you saying, oh, I wasn't a fan from when Ezra Miller was cast. That's been nine years. It's been nine years since Ezra Miller first got cast. Yeah. Like got announced as he is the Flash and he has been in two projects. Yeah. Like, and one of them's a 30-second cameo in so in the original Suicide Squad yeah. and then he's been in Justice League and that's it. Yeah. Like you you kinda of said it right. There's been a lot of announcing. They they lo- they love doing the press for the announcing and then they just don't deliver or follow through. For every single look, I for all, all the faults of Marvel they announce stuff. They might delay some stuff, but they follow through on majority of it. They've earned the right. They've earned the goodwill enough to be like, "Yeah, we're going to believe you when you say you're doing this." DC haven't. Now James Gunn might come in and be like, "No, this is I'm taking control. This is what I'm now doing, and I'm fine with that." And I, I'm kind of see. I, I didn't. I also really didn't like the Suicide Squad, but I am curious with where they're going to go because I my. I think James Gunn, where he has complete and utter control and has no limits whatsoever, is I'm not that the biggest fan of that because I don't like Peacemaker. I'm not a fan of the show Peacemaker. Um, and I just I, I think it's more James Gunn being like, hey, I can do an R-rated sh- show and movie that just didn't work doesn't work for me. A lot, I think, when he's when he's constrained by a PG thirteen rating, he's got to be a bit more clever, and he's got to be because he he does really juvenile humor when they're R rating, and he and it gets away with a lot of it. And juvenile humor just doesn't really work for me a lot. So yeah, I, I think
2: that's like what DC is trying to do as their point of difference. It's like darker than Marvel. It's yeah, more for adults than Marvel. Yeah, whereas like you can take your kid to a most Marvel movies, whereas mm. you can't really for DC. Um, which is maybe why they are getting James Gunn in there. And I guess yeah. the Suicide Squad was more successful than his most other DC yeah. projects. But.
0: but this all started ironically like because uh, Dwayne Johnson came out and had an interview with Deadline that was, from all reports, complete and utter bullshit and has basically completely destroyed his reputation within Hollywood and has completely destroyed – uh, so, Black Adam was a box office disaster. Been a, ma- a massive, massive box office disaster. True. Dwayne Johnson did an interview with Deadline and a pa- and from reports gave them documents that looked like it did well, that made it look like it performed better than it did. Or oh, was
2: that the quotes where he was like, no, it made this much? It made
0: 60 to $70 million and it hasn't. It's It, it lost Warner Brothers a lot of money and- it's just it, Dwayne Johnson has come out looking very bad in all of this, uh, especially considering he refused to do the cameo in Shazam Two. Given Black Adam is Shazam's biggest um, an- villain, but he didn't want to do he didn't want to be Shazam's villain. He wanted to be Superman's. Even though that doesn't. That doesn't happen? Yeah, you know, No. He wanted it to be Superman. Just
2: so it was he bigger could, name recognition or whatever. Exactly.
0: Yeah. There's <sighs> Dwayne Johnson's not come out looking good in all any of this whatsoever. So, um, yeah, it, it's really quite fascinating given how for the last decade we've heard Dwayne Johnson's Black Adam, Dwayne Johnson's Black Adam. He's going to tra- change the game. The... He, the, the hierarchy of power within DC is going to completely change and that's it. He's done, like...
2: Do you reckon he'll be in, in another movie or not?
0: He won't be in another DC movie. Yeah, he, He's done with DC. I wouldn't even be surprised if he's not in another Warner Brothers movie, to be perfectly honest. <laughs> um, Don't know. I, I think... the Look... Black Adam there's going one day we're going to step back be able to step back from Black Adam and have the actual discussion about why it failed and one of the big reasons will be China. They weren't able to be in China and that is and I think a lot of movies this year uh and like a lot of movies from the last 3 years we're going to have the, oh, outside of covid there's going to be the why didn't it why didn't it perform well
1: So were there any other, sorry, I don't want to derail you, but were were there any other big movies this year that weren't able to go to China? Like big ones? All the
0: Marvel movies. So none of the Marvel movies went to China. I don't think Minions did. I actually think Avatar is the only one this year that has.
1: Did Top Gun? No. Because I didn't think Top Gun did.
0: Top Gun didn't, which is why what Top Gun did is so impressive.
1: Right. They did it without China at all.
0: Because this is – so, the reason – this is the first year since 2017, I think. Might be 2016 that – no, sorry, since 2017 that a Marvel movie hasn't made a billion dollars. Yeah. And it's because they weren't in China, even though they had three of them, three very high profile, very big movies, and none of them have made a billion dollars. All of them have been been under a billion, and that's mostly because, yeah, like – You know, Doctor Strange wasn't able to open in China. That's at least three hundred million, at least. Um, Same with Black Panther. Same with Minions. Thor: Love and Thunder was is considered a box office disappointment. Like it's yeah, a lot of these movies have been disappointments, but it's because none of them have been able to open open in China. What we're going to see going forward with Avatar. Like personally, I think Avatar is making a billion dollars in China alone because they love the first movie. the mm-hmm. the the China the the first movie in China is absolutely huge. Um, it's the reason it got it took back not, the highest grossing film of all time was because of China. I think the first Avatar is going to make a billion dollars in there, and then we're going to start seeing that. Oh, okay, the China box office is back. Mm-hmm. Um, Avatar really rests on China and more than any other franchise. And that that's the thing with Dwayne Johnson is I think he will be fine going forward. His next movie just needs to be have an international audience where it's able to open internationally. Um, I wouldn't be surprised if he does sign up for the final Fast and Furious movie and comes back to do a, the final one because it's a guaranteed paycheck because <laughs> he had two of the biggest bombs of the year, Black Adam and Superbats. Yeah. Yeah. Like super pets, so like like, su- so like but like super pets was massively hind a, a animated film on DC backed by Kevin Hart and Dwayne Johnson, and it was one of the biggest bombs oh. of the year. So it, it, it is what is Dwayne Johnson's draw power outside of China is a big question mark now, and I think like more so than. You know, the Black Adam was really being driven by this is Dwayne Johnson doing a super uh, doing a, a superhero movie, and it didn't do anything.
1: Well, because does he have any really truly successful movies that are j- that like he has led?
0: He's got a few, like a few. He does have like a few, like skyscraper and some of those where they where they they did decently in the box offers, but not domestically. Okay, internationally yeah, yeah, is, yeah. is where they make a lot of their money, and that's always been the interesting thing about him. Because even Fast and Furious, that doesn't make money here or yeah. in the US. It makes no, it doesn't ever make money in the US. <laughs> I was going to
1: say nothing makes money here, no. Jacob. Yeah, no, nothing <laughs> makes
0: money, here. but like it makes money internationally. Like that's always been its thing. And Yeah. Fair. Yeah, but be interesting. Yeah, it's going to be really interesting going forward. Um, so that's I, I'm fascinated by where DC goes in the next ten years, like what this ten year plan actually is going to be, and whether or not it happens. Yeah, is it going to happen? Uh, I think you brought it up. Yeah is is James Gunn is James Gunn going to be the Kevin Feige, or is he going to be the Joss Whedon after Avengers? Because I, I don't know if you guys can remember, but when Avengers came out, Joss Whedon signed on to do Avengers 2, but he also signed on that he would look after the scripts for the four, like he would tweak the scripts for the four films between Avengers and Avengers 2 and make sure that they were all working towards the arc of Avengers 2. That's That's what he signed on to do. And that's the thing I'm a little worried about is that's what he's actually going to be. He's not going to be Kevin Feige. Where it's okay, you have to hit these three plot, these three beats, but do whatever you want. It's him going to be coming in, going, oh no, I'm actually going to tweak these scripts. So mm. that's the real interesting part. But uh, I guess we'll see what happens. We shall see. Yeah. All right. Let's move on to the biggest film of the year. Well, one of the biggest films of the year. Let's see if it catches Top Gun. But we are, of course, talking about Avatar The Way of Water. 13 years since the Sky People left Pandora, Jake Sully lives with his newfound family formed on the small moon of Pandora. Once a familiar threat returns to finish what was previously started, Jake must work with Natiri and the army of Na'vi race to protect their home.
1: Treat them as our brothers and sisters. Teach them our ways. Keep up forest boy. If you want to live here, you have
2: to ride. Let's do it.
1: Just breathe.
2: Breathe.
0: All right. So my... Okay, this, this was my non-spoiler review that I put on Letterboxd because I think it sums up exactly how I feel. It's long. It hits every single beat that the first one does. High frame rate sucked. I really didn't like the high frame rate. And I don't give it. I love this movie. <laughs> like every, like there is so many problems. There is so much about this movie that doesn't, that shouldn't work on paper. And yet James Cameron is so masterfully directing this film that I just get sucked into this world the entire time. And I am just in awe and love being in I love Pandora. I just, I love being in the world of Pandora and it just, I love it. And it works for me every single time. <clears> hmm. <throat>
1: All right, Cameron fanboy over there. Uh, I liked this movie well enough. Um, I'm still kind of sitting with it, to be honest. I think I like the first movie better, Um, which I know is like a war crime to say, but whatever. Um, The movie is too long, for sure. Like It just feels too long, which I was expecting going into it. Because that's how I feel about the first movie Mm. as well. I think that the most interesting part of both of these movies is definitely Pandora. I think that his world building is impeccable. And I think that he understands what this world looks like and feels like and is at the very core to such a high degree that it's amazing to think about. Like he has put so much, you can tell how much of an environmentalist he is just by the work that he puts into that element of these films. Um, and I get why people are so taken with it um, and why people get depressed that they can't go to Pandora. I get it. I, and I, and the creature designs are phenomenal. Like it's, it's really something incredibly special that just doesn't come around Very often, you know, a lot of people have said, we haven't seen anything like this since Lord of the Rings Mm. essentially. Um, and I do very much appreciate that element of it a lot. I think expanding the world and getting to see, um, you know, the water rather than just spending time in the forest was interesting because it's still just as vibrant and alive and interesting and unique, which is great. Um, But I still just have a lot of character and story issues that I had with the first movie. Um, I really liked the familial element of it a lot. I think there were a lot of really sweet moments where we get to spend time with this family um, and see where they're at now after this time jump. And I'll kind of get into that a little bit later. But I don't think we get to spend enough time with a lot of the new characters we get introduced to all at once. I think there are only very specific ones you really get to care about because you don't get to spend a lot of time with all of them. Um, and yeah, I had some issues with the high frame rate as well. There were some moments where it was a little much for me. I'm also not a 3d person. So that was a bit of a struggle, even though he uses it very, very well. Cameron is the only one that should be allowed to use 3d ever (laughs) probably because he understands it, but I'm just not a huge fan of it. Um, So like overall I enjoyed the movie and I probably do need to sit down and rewatch it again. But after my track record of not having rewatched the first one for 13 years, I don't know if that's going to happen. Um, I, yeah, like I, there's a, there's really a lot to appreciate about it, but there's a lot of elements that just also didn't quite work for me.
2: Yeah. I definitely liked the first one better. Um, I saw it in 3D when and it's re-released in September. Um so I it was kinda of fresh in my mind at least. And I felt that this I felt that the story was better in this film because I think it at least while it was spending time with the visuals, it was also spending time with the story. Whereas I feel like the first one definitely um, was just visuals without storytelling for some of it. Um, but we can debate that later, I guess. Um, but overall, yeah, I was just like enamored by this movie. And at one point I think I actually like, I think I looked up and I saw like vents on the ceiling and I was like, oh, I'm in a cinema right now. (laughs) I was like, I'm in a room full of people. (laughs) and I was just like, fuck. Cause I was so just taken by the visuals as I'm sure like most people were. Um, and it was Definitely an experience to watch this in a full cinema because I feel like everyone just was had the same feelings as me and was just as um taken by everything they were watching as I was, and it was nice to have that cinema experience again um and it's truly it's, it does remind me of Top Gun in, in that it's like a it's a movie that it just feels like a movie, you know. <laughs> All right, a- Harry. <laughs> I didn't. Even, I didn't <laughs> try to ruin just then, at least. Um, but it just it engages audiences. It brings all these age age groups together and allows everyone to just have a cinema moment for, which is something that everyone can really cherish, especially after COVID. Um, and it's just great to see full cinemas again. Um, like working at a movie theater after like three years of just nothing it's really refreshing to at least be getting more than 500 people through the door a day (laughs) um so yeah and james cameron is he knows what he's doing and i don't know if i'm not big on 3d like this is like this and Avatar are the only movies I've seen in 3D, really. Um, I was too young to experience the 3D boom. I, I mean, I would watch the Barbie movies at home with my plastic 3D glasses, but...
1: Listen, let me just say, if y'all didn't see Shark Boy and Lava Girl and Spy Kids 3D Game Over oh in 3D, God, wait, oh I'm just saying, I'm just saying, you missed out. I think I saw the full spy You were Spider- three! No, 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 no. Wait. <laughs> Wait, let me think about this. <laughs> I think I'm thinking of the wrong Spy Kids movie.
0: Yeah, you're thinking of the fourth one. That's, yeah. that's different. No,
1: no, no, no. No, no. 3D game over with our Lord and Xavier, Glenn Powell, when making an appearance. Out? Oh three. When did the first Spy Kids come out?
0: Oh, 01. Oh, one.
1: Oh, 01. Fuck. <laughs> well. <laughs> Are you feeling – Jacob just turned 30 yesterday, so he's having a crisis (laughs) right now.
2: I
0: just turned 21. So, thanks for that. Thank you very much for that. But, yeah. um, No, you you are right, though, with 3D. Like, you and I very, very vividly can remember the 3D absolute just – It was a craze. Yeah, it was every film, basically anything that had over $70 million budget – then got converted into 3D, even though they weren't shot for that. I love like I hate 3D. I really hate 3D. Avatar is the one movie I will see now in 3D. Like this is I'm I So I'm not someone who does get sucked into film in the way of like, oh, I'm in a theater. Like I always can am conscious that I'm in a movie theater. I'm always like conscious that I am watching a movie and that I'm being taken on a journey, but I am watching it in the theater. These are the closest I've ever gotten to fully forgetting about that. And I, I think you bringing up the, I think the Top Gun Maverick comparison is probably the most interesting one and the closest we're going to get to it for this year, because I think both of these films are franchises that are coming back. Uh, you know, long dormant Avatar. Is a lot shorter, but it's still, you know, it's a long dormant franchise coming back. And I think the kind of story that it's trying to tell is also very similar in that we're essentially redoing the first movie again, but not in a, not in a force awakens kind of way, but in just kind of like a, Hey, this is telling a t- using these characters to tell a different story, but but also being familiar.
2: And I think, in a way, they can get away with that because of the length in between yeah. it, whereas I think the next ones they probably have to yeah. try again. Yeah,
0: Um. But I think that what makes the... I, I, I think the, the biggest difference when you're going to talk to general audiences, because I, I, I'm fascinated to know how this movie plays with general audiences. I can't wait to actually start hearing, like, general audiences' opinions about this. Like,
1: not critics? Not,
0: not critics and not...
1: Film F- people. Film people.
0: Like, more, you know, just general the movie. People,
1: the people, like, my parents who would go, or your parents, who would yeah. go see maybe a movie every couple months. Yeah. Like, yeah, like, who, I want to take my
2: dad. So like, my dad, I the last time I watched a movie was Top Gun Maverick, and then before that, I don't even know. Exactly. So.
0: But, like, where Avatar, Top Gun, maybe, like, a drama that's in the Oscars maybe would be what they normally see. They, they won't go and see all the Marvel movies and all. They're not going to show
1: up for for Triangle of Sadness.
0: (laughs) I'm fascinated to hear what they think of this because I personally think it's, I think it's going to have a bit of the Top Gun Maverick effect, but I think the length is going to really hurt it in terms of, I think I'm fascinated to see what a lot of the general audience feel about the length and whether or not it's too long for them because I think Maverick is the type of movie that is the perfect length. It never, feel, it never gets bogged down. It's two hours. It never feels like a, there, there's never a section that's like, oh, okay, we're, we're kind of dragging here. Whereas in I think Avatar, just by nature of, oh, it's three hours, you feel that, oh, this is going to be three hours.
1: Well, and a lot of the movie does kind of stop and take its time to let you explore the environment understandably so mm. like cameron wants you to see pandora and the world he's built but it does kind of make the story pause every once in a while to just be in awe of the visuals mm. which you're either gonna love or you're gonna be like come on we've, yeah, move we've on. stopped yeah. like what are we doing i think i'm more fascinated by the like rewatchability for a general audience because the thing that had top gun be so successful was people were going to see it five six seven yeah time. like general audience people were going to see it mm. again and again and again and i'm wondering if having the wonder of pandora back on the big screen will also achieve that like that's the thing i'm fascinated most like if you start seeing people talk about going to see it outside of the film community because I've seen people on my timeline say they've gone to see it three or four times but I'm talking just like a general audience if they're going to be doing the same thing
0: yeah um let's get into spoilers because there is a lot of that about this that I really do want to actually talk about so uh this is officially your spoiler alert for Avatar The Way of Water <laughs> All right, so uh, the f- so okay, I went and saw this at the critic screening, so I think I was the first one out of everyone here who'd seen it, and yeah. I remember when when I walked out, there was about six of us who were all pretty much the same sort of thing. It's long, hits a lot of the same beats. Like when we walked out, there was about six of us. None of them were really, oh my god, this movie is amazing. Oh my god, this movie's terrible. Like no, it, we're all kind of in the middle of. I'm really glad I saw this. This was really good and enjoyable, but. It's got problems, and the first thing I said was, "Yeah, of course they're going to kill the one character that gets no development." <laughs> like, I, I think, like the you know that was coming a mile away of uh, yeah, the, the the sun's dying. Um,
2: okay, Mister, I predict everything. I know some but of like, us didn't see that coming.
0: Okay, fair. <laughs> <right>. <laughs> Just that one was that one was blatantly obvious for me personally. Um, I, I
1: do think it was. It was interesting, though, because I didn't necessarily see it coming. But after it happened, I went, oh, yeah, the one child we literally spent no screen time <laughs> with other than them being like, you're the favorite. <laughs> yeah. All right. OK, fair enough. I did think it was interesting, though, because we Jacob and I just listened to um a pod like an interview where Cameron was talking with Denis Villeneuve and he was talking about how a lot of the times with these big franchise IP movies these days, the audience never gets a sense of dread of not knowing what's coming because they know none of the characters are going to die. Like there's just a sense in like Marvel movies and things like that, that they know none of these characters they fall in love with are going to die. And the stakes are just never quite able to be high enough. So I thought it was really interesting that that was just like a big, element in this movie like it was a huge part of the final act of this movie Mm. was dealing with that happening
0: I'll, i'll admit i i went into this movie fully expecting interior to die though i was shocked she didn't genuinely shocked because zoe saldana has been very vocal that she's done with blockbusters after this And that's why I was so convinced she was going to die in this movie. I I
1: think she means more like once her run as Gamora and once her run as this character are done, Yeah, I think she's kind of done because between this and the MCU, that's been a huge chunk of Mm. her time. Um, But I I think she's pretty committed to finishing out Avatar, whatever that means for her character at this point. I just think she's not ready to – I don't – This devastates me because it means that she won't complete the the uh, whole thing she's got going on because she's done Star Trek. She's done MCU. She's done Avatar. The only one left is Star Wars. Wars. (laughs) And now I don't know if she's going to do it because she doesn't want to do franchise stuff anymore, which I don't blame her. But I need her to be the one like just badass that's done all of them, that she's done all of them.
0: <laughs> um Okay, so like, what were your thoughts on the actual story? Like, let's so we'll get into the actual story that they're telling, which is again, you know, humans have come. So, all okay, right, Stephen Lang as a avatar has now come, has now come back with all of his memories, but for the last twenty minutes of his life, and is hell bent on revenge. He, uh Humans have come to Earth to completely colonize it and take back and make it new Earth because Earth is now dying. Um, what and then Jake and them have to go to the wa- to uh, the water colonies because they're putting a self imposed exile on them on themselves because they're going to hurt too many people. What do we think about the that idea? Like the the story that it actually tells.
2: I enjoyed the story way better than the first one, to be honest. I thought it was better arc. I thought the characters were more engaging. And I guess while they could have, for it being a three-hour movie, they could have spent more time on the characters. Um, I think the setup was better than the first one and I was just more invested. Mm. Um, do I can't tell you why, but I just was. Um, and I think like... The second hour was probably my favorite part of the movie. Like while the underwater sequences were like visually really heavy, I found it was at least at the same time telling a story about each character. Like you see that um, Kiri Sigourney Weaver's character um, was like most comfortable out of all the kids in the water and she was was able to like connect with the sea creatures and the sea life around her Um, and while – you are getting those scenes of vi- really like visually like, look at this, look at this, look at what, look at what James Cameron is doing. Um, you're also learning something about Kiri. Whereas, um, and then all the other kids are struggling to stay underwater. And um, during this, you also learn how the Metkayana kids like behave towards the Sully family, which sets up like the bullies of the pack and like all that kind of stuff. Um And we also see how they interact with the animals and, um, oh, I don't know the kid's name, but the kid who has more of a connection with the whale um, thing.
0: Yeah. (laughs) Um,
2: Don't know what that's called either. The main
0: son. um, Loka. L-O-A-K. Loak. Loak, that's it.
2: (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, how, how he has more of a connection with the animals and that outcast whale than everyone else. I think it... Well, it does like it's spectacle it's also t- saying something in that spectacle. It's not just I feel like the first avatar movie is a lot of just the flying in the sky and nothing's really being said while all that's happening. Um, and yeah, the way James Cameron interacts with the environment in the film, I think it's really beautifully done and the story yeah in the last the last third of the movie is definitely great blockbuster filmmaking yeah, and the story really takes a new is taken up to a new level there um just personally i like the second hour of like really getting into the nitty-gritty of everyone's personalities and um how they interact with their new environment and stuff
1: like that i again i'm still trying to sit with how i actually feel about it and i do think i need to watch it again just because i think the beginning of the film is kind of a lot to take in because they're basically trying to catch you up in like a time jump and they're just like throwing all this stuff at you really quick and being like alright it's basically like a montage of you know this is what you missed on whatever whatever like it was that kind of I don't know if I enjoyed the way that they did that Um, but I I don't know. I feel like there were a lot of new characters they were trying to introduce all at once. And I feel like at times it was a bit overwhelming. And maybe it'll get better once we have the third installment. Like maybe it's just a bit tough to swallow not yet knowing where the story exactly is going to go and which characters are going to be important moving forward. Um But it just kind of felt like a lot to take in, especially since they're introducing you to a new section of Pandora that we've never been to before and a new, you know, cultural part of Pandora and a new setting. Um, I feel like it was just a lot of information to try and process at once. Um, yeah, I don't know. I I don't know how I felt about Cutie. Like, she, she was a very odd character for me in that I feel like we spent so much time time with her in this movie and still don't actually know anything about her. Um, they kind of hinted at like, oh she's look like maybe she wants answers as to like how she came to be and we never get any kind of information about those answers. And clearly there's something different about her that's you know, shown multiple times throughout the movie, whether that's her ability underwater, or her ability to connect with the beings that are underwater. Um, like there's just something about her that's different and we never really get to figure out what that is. So I'm assuming that's coming in another movie, but I just kind of wished we would have gotten a little bit more and, and had it be less vague <laughs> about that. She, oh, she's different, but we're not going to tell you why mm. and we're not going to tell you how. And yep. So that's cool. Um, Yeah, I don't know. I wish we would have spent a little more time with the son that ends up dying, just because at the end I found myself upset about it because the family was upset about it, not because I actually cared about him as a character, which was kind of frustrating for me. Like, they spent so much time putting him at odds with the other son, having the other son resent him because he was the quote-unquote favorite. He was the perfect son. He was the one that never did anything wrong. Um... And I just feel like we didn't really get to see much of, like, his perspective on anything, which I get because, obviously, they were planning on killing him off. But Mm. I just kind of wish we would have gotten a bit more there. Um, Yeah, I don't don't know. I, I I think for me, I was just much more interested and focused on the actual world and the world building. And the story kind of took second place for me um there were moments that i found compelling but i don't know like there's just something about it that just I, there were moments when i would it would just lose me mm-hmm. and i'm having a hard time figuring out like why it wasn't quite clicking in where the story always worked for me i i do think it had a lot to do with just there was so much going on with so many new characters and you know, even in terms of the the human element, there wasn't really um, a connection other than, you know, we kind of get Miles like we kind of get Stephen Lang back, but he's he's different. Mm. So we don't really have that connection of anything being the same in the human world like that's all kind of been washed away. Yeah. Um, and then it feels like the new human characters we do get introduced to don't really matter. So I don't know. I just think that it was a bit, it was a bit thin when it came to that kind of stuff.
0: What did you think of Kiri?
1: Um, I really liked
2: her as a character, and, okay. I mean, in terms of it being Sigourney Weaver, I didn't really like, but bo- it didn't really bother me. I didn't really notice. Okay. Um, which is unpopular opinion. <laughs>
0: I thought, yeah, I thought she was. I thought it was distracting.
2: I don't know. I just I didn't hear much of Sigourney mm. Weaver. Maybe just because I. Yeah. Probably haven't seen many of her movies and I just like don't recognise the voice as well. Um but no, I, I think Kiri was honestly one of like maybe one of my favourite characters besides the boy who I was just talking about, who I <laughs> forgot the name of, who goes to the whales.
1: <laughs> Kowak, whatever his name is. Um, he shall be known as Whale Boy. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Um uh, Brendan Fraser. Um
2: <laughs> But yeah, um I liked Kiri. I don't
0: mm. know about you i i i thought weaver was a distraction uh, that she i was distracted because i could hear her, hear her and I, it was just i don't know it, yeah it, i thought weaver was a little bit of a distraction i'm kind of with you where it's like okay cool so that's clearly the setup for the that's the through line for the sequels is who is she like so all right fair enough um and it was interesting. Like I, I I'm I'm curious enough about her character. I did there were scenes that she had that I agree with you that I really liked with her her connection to AOR. I thought that was really sweet. I thought that was like the way that it showed how she is connecting um is fascinating. I'm I'm curious enough about her story going forward that it's like, okay, no, I'm I'm not I don't hate this character. Like it's not like another character that we will talk about. Um, but I, I'm like, oh, there's, there's enough there that, that has, that is gripping me, um, that I'm like, okay, yep, cool. We'll, we'll see what happens going forward. Um, uh, Stephen Lang's miles, my, like miles being back. i I liked originally, um, how they end his character. I'm not a fan of, I didn't like how I, 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 I I'm dancing around. I really don't like spider spider annoyed me. Spider, like, and I'm not a fan of Spider in this movie at all. I get why he's there, because they didn't want to kidnap one of the actual kids, but at the same time, they needed someone who knew where, who, they needed someone to make everyone go, oh, we need to leave, but they didn't want to kidnap one of the actual kids, so.
1: Well, but then also, like, clearly they're setting him up to go for a villain arc. Yeah. Like, clearly he's going to be an antagonist, and it's going to have... That's gonna have implications on Kitty because she's the the yeah. one there. That's cl- like that's clearly the setup.
0: Yeah, no, like, it you don't is. have and to like I, it. Yeah, I know. But that's I, the I setup. just, I just, yeah. I, again, I, I'm not a massive fan. Like, I would have if they were go- If I know that that's what they're going to do, do it in this movie. Like, or have him stay at the end. Don't mm-hmm. have him go back to the family. Like, I, I, I just. I really didn't like how they handled the ending and I just against yeah Spider as a character I just I wasn't a fan of and I really didn't care at all. I also don't believe that Miles cares for him at all. So when um like the yeah. like that that was weird going from this guy from the first avatar to oh he has a son that he cares about and is willing to like but, like, at the start of the movie, he doesn't really care about No, it. exactly. And, and then, then by at the, the end, it's like, Aw. oh. Yeah, and it's like, God, I, no, what? you don't. <laughs> I, 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 so, again, that's James Cameron's writing, and James Cameron's not a great writer. <laughs> like, I mean, he's never been an amazing writer. At He's a much more talented at bringing you into a world and making you believe and care about this world. So that's, you know, that that's more where I'm at, but there's certain parts of the story that just frustrated me and I, I wasn't fans of, um, but I did really like, I, I really liked the relationship between uh whale kid and the whale. Like I thought that was really sweet. And I thought like those sequences underwater are gorgeous, oh. like absolutely beautiful. You made and- a
2: comment of like when you were checking cinemas and you went into black Panther yeah. as opposed to avatar when you were checking cinemas, it was like, Oh.
0: <laughs> yeah, and, okay, like I, oh, I am gonna get so much hate for this. Um, so I walked in, yeah, walked into Black Panther, and it was during one of the underwater scenes, and you are like, oh, this is really cool. And then you walk into Avatar, and you watch, and you see that scene, and you are like, just it feels so small. Like, like Avatar just feels like a big screen, giant, epic movie, and then you, and then a Marvel movie is not anymore
1: well we we had this conversation in the car um, and this is my this is my take on that. My thing is visual effects and green screens can we've seen through what James Cameron does that they can be used and used effectively to make you feel immersed in a world. I don't think there has ever been a VFX world created on screen that people feel so immersed in like they do in Pandora mm. like I don't, no, I don't I don't think, think there, there ever either. has been. That being said, most people are not James Cameron. Like they're just <laughs> yeah. they're just not. Like he is a very gifted, very talented, very hardworking guy and, yeah. who has who has taken the time to develop the technology and to develop his skills to be able to do that. When it comes to other films, because t- to me he's the exception and not the rule, when it comes to other films, I personally think there should always be a mix of VFX. With practical effects, I always think there should be some element of realism on a set to make you feel grounded in it, unless you are James Cameron, (laughs) because most people cannot just use VFX Mm. and have it feel real. And I think that's why most of the recent Marvel movies, to me, don't have that immersion. You don't feel like you're in the world with them. You don't feel like the stakes are real. It just that that sense of awe and of movie magic of being transported somewhere just isn't the same because Mm. there are no practical effects. Even when they're filming on a street, like just a regular street, it's a green screen. They're not using a real street outside and you can tell that they're not. Mm. And that's just the difference. And I feel bad because I'm not trying to trash the VFX artists. I'm not trying to say they're not good at their job. But what I am saying is, you watch a show like Andor, where most of it is practical, and it feels like you're on those planets. It feels mm. real because most of it is real. And then the moments they need to use visual effects, you believe it.
0: Yeah. I like, mean, m- yeah. <laughs> and like, I'll move away from the Marvel from the Marvel conversation, but like Marvel have the top down mandates of you got to do it like this, 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 and this, because well, we've it, all got to make it all look part well, of Well, and the I'm same. not
1: trying to trash Marvel yeah. I'm just it's the most relevant example of what most people will have seen, yeah. like I could handpick a different movie that uses visual effects yeah. and make the same argument. It's just most people have seen those movies, and it's an easier touchstone for me to say, yeah. You know, this this is the comparison. Mm. Like it just it doesn't feel real and unless you can do a tenth of what James Cameron does, it's not going to unless you also try to use practical effects.
0: Yeah. Um does anyone is there any other characters or anything that they want to bring up? Okay.
1: Alright. Alright. Two things. One <laughs> this is very important and it was very distracting to me and probably only me <laughs> specifically. But Seeing our boy Jermaine Clement with a full on American accent was so distracting. Like, boy, especially next to um, Brendan Brendan Cowell. Cowell, who got to just be full Aussie. And then you have Jermaine playing the straight guy, like the straight laced guy next to him, was amazing because I don't think I've ever seen Jermaine do something where he's the straight-laced character. Like, he's always the Easily. New Zealand, you know, over-the-top yeah. character. So I thought that was great, but it was also really distracting. Um, and also, I'm just going to have this complaint every single time unless it gets rectified in the sequels, but we literally got five seconds of screen time for Giovanni Rabisi, <laughs> and that is unacceptable. It was like, here's some <laughs> archival footage where he stands in the camera with Steven for three seconds and there's your avatar to credit Giovanni, sir. And I was like, well, damn it. Let's, let's make him have an avatar next movie and bring him in. Cause that's what I'm personally <laughs> signing up for. Thank you very much. Um, also I, one more. Sorry. Yeah. It was awesome that Kate Winslet was completely unrecognizable. Yeah. In terms of like, even her voice acting and stuff, completely yeah. transformative. Didn't even realize it was her. Same. Yeah.
0: Yeah. Um the Okay, I do just want to mention the fact that we are nearly an hour into this podcast and we have not actually talked about the main character <laughs> in Sam Worthington. <laughs> well eh.
1: <laughs> Alright, all right, all right. Do you want your Sam Worthington comment? Here it is. I don't think his accent is as bad as most people do. Like it's not as yeah, I don't think it's everyone's it is like, Oh, he sounds Aussie. I'm like, bro. No, he doesn't come live in Australia for five seconds. He absolutely does not go away. Um, no, but also his character design, his avatar Navi design in this movie is so slightly different in a bunch of places that it's really distracting to me. His body's far more jacked for no reason. (laughs) His face is either, like, thinned out or his nose is bigger, like, there's... And his hair is different, and there's just enough Do you subtle... mean in different parts of the movie his body looks different, or as in from the last... Episode? No, from the, from the last movie. Like, his body looks so different and his face looks different that it was really distracting for me. I'm like, there was no reason for <laughs> Are this. their bodies meant to stay the same for 13 years? Yeah. I mean, to an extent, he okay. He he gets older. He should get more buff. He should get less buff. (laughs) He should be dad botting it up. (laughs) I would like to see dad
0: bod. And okay, so and this is again, this is do not take this comment seriously. I'm making a joke. So humans have create were able to create a body that can actually like reproduce. Like humans are gods because they created the avatar and they were able to reproduce, (laughs) and that that avatar is able to reproduce.
1: I hate you. I hate you so much. Anyway, all I'm saying, next movie, Dad Bod Jake Sully better be a thing or I'm going to be furious. That's my um, point. Like Thor kind of like, <laughs> yeah. Dad, dad.
2: Oh,
1: all is, right. that, is that what you were hoping for? Yeah, that's what I was hoping <laughs> for.
0: Alright. Uh, let's move on. Let's just talk about the visuals because this is, I think, the strongest part of the film. Yes. Um, this movie's gorgeous. Like, it's... It's so. It looks so just amazing and I absolutely just want to fall into this world and I do. I get completely sucked in to the entire world of this film and how just James Cameron's effortless, like, and it feels effortless. Like, it doesn't feel like it's, you know, purposefully... Like it, the, the filmmaking doesn't feel like I am purposely cutting here. I'm purposely cutting, uh, moving the camera here to, to, for like a, it doesn't feel like a, you know, like a, a Lynch or a De Palma or something where you're just like, oh, this is jarring, but in a way that's like meant to make a, a, me feel something or like it feels like just absolutely effortless, effortless in the way that it's manipulates you essentially.
2: <laughs> I disagree. Really? Like with the effortless fit. Okay. I don't know. I feel like it's super intentional in the way it looks. And Not yeah. Like I know what you mean. Like he makes it look like it just fell together like that. Mm. But uh, I don't know about <laughs> that.
0: Um I I don't know. I, I just think that this you out the, the entire time you're feeling like you are in another world. And i, I you never once go uh, there, there was no moments in the film where it out outside of the high frame rate, which we'll talk about, that that take you out and go, oh, oh, that's that's fake, that's that that looks weird, that's different. That like it, I just completely in awe of every single moment of how well he is able to convey the story and and you know get you emotional about. And get you emotional in parts that even though they haven't really earned it but his directing is able to get you there and i'm just absolutely in awe of it and that's why he's one of my favorite filmmakers
1: that's fair um i again think the visuals are definitely the strongest part of the film i think as much as he might deny this and other people might disagree with it. I don't actually think the human characters or even the Na'vi are really the most important part of the movie. I think as someone who is such a huge environmentalist like he is and someone who constantly talks about the fact that he's continuing to make more of these movies is because that's basically the best way he can have an impact in spreading the message about the environment it really comes through in the strongest parts of this movie, which are the designs of Pandora, Mm -hmm. the designs of the sea creatures and the forest creatures and, and the animals like that is the strongest part consistently across both films for me. I think getting to spend time with the whale characters and with just what the ecosystem underwater looks like in this world. um, It's, It's just so well thought out and so thoughtfully crafted. And when you get to spend time just slowing down in the movie to explore those scenes without really worrying about character development or anything else necessarily, um, it's, it's the thing that stands out to me the most. And even though these aren't my favorite movies, and like I said, the characters aren't necessarily... The strongest, and I don't think the story as a whole is necessarily the strongest. I do think it's really great to see a filmmaker care so much about something and have it shine through so beautifully because he spent the time with his team to develop the technology to get to this point and to really be able to provide an audience with a transportive experience like this that you're not really gonna get anywhere else um, and yeah, it's just especially when we talk about you know water and and the ocean because with forests to an extent, I feel like people have a bit more access to that but there are so many people who are never going to get to do any sort of deep sea exploration the way that James Cameron himself has done. Um, And so really bringing a world like that to life, to audiences everywhere across the world is kind of spectacular um, when you think about it and giving that kind of access to people and really getting them to, to feel, to have an emotional connection to the water and to that ecosystem um, and to hopefully get people to understand how important that is and what effect we have on that kind of stuff, um, which is clearly very important to him. And, um, yeah, I just, I think that, I think that is what sticks with me the most about it. And I think it's just really cool to, to me, at least how obvious it is that that is something he cares about so much and spends so much time meticulously, Making sure he gets that part right, and then you know he obviously cares about the script, but I feel like that is secondary. Mm-hmm.
2: Yeah, the visuals are definitely what these Avatar movies are all about. Which, like, who cares <laughs> when they look as good as that? Yeah, I hate the argument, especially when the re-release of the first film came in Australia. Had and like a lot of conversations with a lot of people about like why people don't like the first one. Cause when I rewatched the first one, I didn't really do much research about it before I rewatched it with my mum, and we were raving about it. And then I went to letterbox and it had like an average <sighs> rating of three stars. And I, I think I texted Jacob and I was like, can you tell me why this is? I don't understand. And I can't like what. Um, and I think people just need to get over the fact that like, yeah, it's three hours of just like spectacle, but who cares? Like if it looked shit, I get it. Yeah. Tell a story, but one they do tell a quite a great story, and and two, it's incredibly captivating. Like I said, I forgot I was in a aircon cinema for a second, and I just think that the Avatar movies kind of remind us, like Top Gun did, of what cinema is and like I said in my letterbox review it takes you back to the heyday of cinema which was just moving images on the screen that wowed people that showed people what a hyper-realistic world could be and this is exactly that and Cameron just does that like hardly any filmmakers these days do which is like incredible it's an incredible feat for especially what the landscape of cinema is at the moment um, and just yeah what he's able to do with the visual effects that look incredibly real and just look like he went to a part of the world that no one has seen before mm. and just like took a camera there and did a documentary yeah. like you know what i mean
0: i think so, you you summed it up the other day when you when we were talking about why the first like about the first avatar and how like if if it's not the highest grossing film of all time, if it's not the movie that was nominated for 10 Oscars and was one of the favourite frontrunners to win Best Picture and was fucking everywhere in 2010, I think a lot more people are a lot more kind to it. I think yeah. if it comes out – I am I, I think a lot more people are going to be kind to this one compared to the fir- the, the way they are acting the first one now because in general – I don't know how – unless this movie does end up becoming the highest-grossing film of all time and um, wins, like, 4,000 Oscars, then people will start having the same conversation and you will get to experience what happened in 09. I
2: think (laughs) – with the Oscar talk, I think this is going to win more awards than the first one did because the first one only won, like, three Below the line categories.
0: Yeah. I
2: think this could, like, sweep them all in the landscape Uh, that we're in. Well, most of them.
0: I think it'll – I – I think this one's going, it's fast. Okay, this year there is a very real chance that four sequels could be nominated for Best Picture.
1: Yeah.
2: I don't know what? about a real chance. But okay,
0: there is a small chance. Like, I've got three of them being nominated for Best mm-hmm. Picture. I've got Glass Onion, Avatar, and Top Gun.
1: Yeah. And
0: mm-hmm. then, um, what was the fourth one I had? What was the fourth one? I
1: don't
2: know.
0: There is a fourth sequel this year. That
2: Glass Onion, Avatar, Top Gun... Minions: The Rise of growth <laughs> <laughs>
0: Okay, uh, uh, I think I think because people had Black Panther at some point, oh yeah, yeah, that yeah. might have been no, that no, might have no. been it. But that's definitely not getting nominated. Um, but like, <laughs> I, I think yeah, I, I think the Oscars this year for Avatar are going to be really interesting. I don't agree. I think Top Gun's going to take a lot of there. I think it's going to be fighting with Top Gun over a lot of awards, and I. I can't wait to see that fight. To be honest, it's going to be really I, I re- The vi- visual effects award this year. I cannot wait for that conversation because it's going to be again. It's going to be. It's not
2: shooing for Avatar. It's not. Shooing. I don't think so. No,
0: because of, no, what? because of, because of what they did in Top Gun, because of how they got the filmmaking, because of how they did that. Um. And because- they,
1: they did what Cameron had to do for Avatar. They had to develop whole new cameras. They had to create a whole new way to be able to film. Like, Would that not be cinematography? No, no.
0: No, because they'll put it in for visual effects because of the way that they had to digitally like put in visual effects around it. They'll make mm. it- co- Yeah, that's I am fascinated by that fight this year. Mm. Because, uh, yeah- Um Visual effects, I think, is one of the most fascinating categories this year because Avatar could end up being one of the the favourites, and I wouldn't be surprised if it wins just because it's. You look at the two, and yeah, I think a lot of Academy members will have that argument of, oh, um, Avatar had is clearly, I can see that this is all visual effects. Top Gun, you can't see
1: it. I but, but it's-
2: I'd also think it depends where these. Little academy members watch these movies because if they're just opening up the academy portal on their computer and watching both movies, Top Gun's gonna, I guess, like look better mm. on a computer screen as opposed to Avatar. Whereas if they have screenings, yeah, like still Top Gun changes in a the movie theater, but
0: yeah, you know, be interesting. I, I'm I'm fascinated by it. I'm- this year's Oscars, I think, is one of the more fascinating ones we've had in a while, but then at the same time, there is a real chance it could end up being one of the most boring mm. if they just decide... Like, there's a real chance that the Oscars could go real interesting in something like Everything Everywhere, um, Avatar, Top Gun, or the, um, but then it could also go Ban- the Banshee's Tar... Fableman's. I think they want
2: to go the Avatar. That's what I mean. But that's what
0: I mean. Like I've always said. I. I, That's why I've believed Avatar. uh, Top Gun was winning was because of they have wanted to give it to a giant blockbuster for forever. But there hasn't been one outside of a Marvel film, and this year we've got two. Yeah. And I'm fascinated by that. And then we've got two giant blockbusters, and then we've got the extremely popular movie that's also an art film in Everything Everywhere. I cannot wait for this year's Oscars. It's fascinating. Listen, listen, you're
1: not the one who could possibly have their birthday ruined by nominations being garbage. (laughs) All right, that could be the best or worst birthday (laughs) day ever. Yep, ever. So listen. I might be drinking it. What time is that? It's 11, 11, at, 11 p.m. 11 PM, at PM. At night. I might be going hardcore on that. One. Is that your? Is that your birthday, or is it like the following day? I'm like you'll be pretty, I'm pretty sure it's on my actual birthday, okay. but yeah. if not, it'll probably bleed into my birthday.
0: Yeah, because it's all it normally it's
1: the twenty fourth of January. So for us, it'll be my birthday.
0: Yeah. Uh, yeah. No, it'll be the twenty fourth. If it's the twenty fourth night, it'll be eleven. Thir- it'll be eleven thirty-five the night before your birth. So 25 minutes later yeah, yeah. will be your birthday. Yeah. So, your birthday. So it'll go yeah.
1: into my birthday. Yep. Yeah.
2: <laughs> yeah. So the <laughs> picture will probably be announced on your birthday. And I'll be like crying. <laughs> shut, shut, shut.
0: <laughs> so that's all. Yeah. Th- th- that's the nominations. Thank-
1: thankfully, if I get absolutely trashed because the nominations are either great or terrible, I have Australia Day as an excuse to like deal Recover. with. <laughs> yeah. So that'll be fun.
0: Yeah. Um. All right. Let's just talk. Real quickly about the 3D and the HDR. Um, I adored, I love, I love the 3D in this. <laughs> I, I, I'm, <laughs> I really,
1: he's trying really hard.
0: <laughs> Nathan gave me crap because I keep saying adore.
1: <laughs> Nathan, shut your mouth. <laughs>
0: <laughs> um,
1: there are far worse words he could use <laughs> on a basis that is constant than that one.
0: Um, and, So, I really loved the 3D in this. I think it was really, really engrossing and I I really just fell into it and got completely sucked in by the 3D. And it reminded me why 3D took off. Why was 3D... The big ne- the next big thing, why did every single manufacturer go, we are throwing everything we can behind 3D TVs? Why did every cinema go, we are throwing everything behind the 3D technology? Every studio went, every movie is now 3D because of how good this looks. They just ruined it <laughs> and they spent a decade. They They ruined it within four years. It's amazing. It was just amazing how much they could just destroy it within four years. Mm. I the opposite can is said for the high frame rate. I went the scenes like it where there's really quick movement and uh, the the opening battle scene, I think when they um when Miles finds his body and crushes his skull, which is I think is like one of the, my favorite moments in the whole movie. Um and then they're like chasing each other. That whole sequence just felt like a video game. Because it, because it, so video game cutscenes have been in sixty frames per second for the last five or six years, and it just naturally feels more quicker. And you just, you my, but my brain just associates that quickness and that type of movement with video games and cutscenes, and it just there's a there's just this like. Difference between watching it when it slows down and it's under the water and everything, even though the, it's those scenes are in the exact same high frame rate as the battle scenes, but the battle scenes just come across as full CG, full full fake and everything. Whereas in like the slower scenes underwater and everything, I f- it feels real and tangible. And I, I I can't explain it. It's I think just you know it's the trick of your brain. I think if some people the, their brain is able to to just disassociate with it and it works well and some people just can't because their brain just can't do the trick and i think that's just why yeah just doesn't. that for me it's it does just looks it looks like a video game the entire when in, during the fast-paced action scenes
2: yeah that's i'm that brain that can just yeah. disassociate <laughs> um i think mainly maybe because i just don't play video games i that's I guess fast. I don't know that, like, yeah. technology as well. So when that does happen, I don't notice it. Um, like, I honestly, yeah, I don't know if I noticed any changes of the high frame rate. Um, was it, Maybe I wasn't paying enough attention, but I don't know. I was just watching it and enjoying it, and I wasn't really... Um, and maybe if I rewatched it and, like, noticed... Like and knew maybe what scenes were in the high frame rate, maybe I could pick, on, pick up on it and maybe I would be bothered by it, but
1: meh. <laughs> yeah, I I didn't love the high frame rate either. Um, I There was just something about it that, like you said, just felt like in certain scenes you just felt it, mm-hmm. um, which, like, it is what it is. Um, it wasn't a huge detractor, but I didn't love it. The 3D wasn't distracting for me, um, like it normally is because again, Cameron knows how to use 3d and what he needs to do to have it feel immersive and what works and what doesn't. So it wasn't distracting for me, but it also didn't really add anything for me. Um, again, as someone who's just not a huge fan of 3d in general, it just, I could have taken it or left it, but with a lot of films, unfortunately it, is used in ways that aren't masterful. And so it does become distracting. Um, but this, you know, like there's only one director where I'm like, all if right, you're going to force me to watch it in 3D because you won't <laughs> put it in anything else. I guess I'm going to have to do it because at least it's not going to be a distraction because I know you know what you're doing with mm. it. Like, And that's kind of my opinion on that.
2: Yeah, I definitely like... Everyone I'm telling to watch this movie, I'm like, you have to do it in 3D. My sister's one of those who's like, oh, do I have to? And there's a few people at work who are saying the same thing. And I'm like, yes, like just do it the way it's intended. Like, and I, when I was running food into gold class, because we don't have 3D gold class, yeah. and just watching it for a split second, I was just like, oh, I don't know. Plus, it's like gold class, just small screen, small yeah. sound as well. But, I was like, I don't know how you watch it without it. Like, obviously it looks great still, but it just brings the whole new level when you have it in that like huge ass 3D. And mm-hmm. I don't know how you can watch it any can, other way, especially is, for the first time.
0: Just again, is everyone you're saying the two says, oh, I'm not sure. Are they older?
2: Yeah. So, one. Okay. Um, but she also wears glasses. So she's oh, yeah, like, I don't want to have to like wear glasses over glasses. Mm. <laughs> um, but most other people are just like, gen- like those general public yeah. people who want to see it because it's an event, but also like don't really care what it looks like. Yeah. Um, so, yeah.
0: Oh, I just, I just find it amazing how much we, w- uh, our generation was burned by 3 We're like, <laughs> <Yeah>. absolutely not. <laughs> just never done. again.
1: <laughs> never again. I think, uh, this podcast wouldn't be complete if we didn't give a shout out to Blake specifically for the journey he went on. Oh my god, <laughs> <Did the man laughs> is not. I, I don't Did he go literally for
0: He went for 2 days down to Melbourne to see Avatar, you know, in, in
2: IMAX, yeah. I thought he just like was going for other reasons as well. Nope. No, no, just no, that. No. Nope.
0: They
1: got they got a group together and specifically was
0: 35 of them who honestly, went and saw yeah. it in IMAX.
1: Yeah. Respect.
0: I'm half tempted to do it.
1: <laughs> no, literally so. I was thinking of the drive home. I was like,
2: when's the next
0: time I'm going to Melbourne? <laughs> I mean, okay. Well, all right. Quick story time. I drove to Sydney. This is when Sydney had an IMAX. And I drove. I convinced mum and dad to let me drive, take the car, drive to Sydney to get my hours up.
1: Quote, unquote. Quote, unquote, <laughs> get my hours
0: up. Because they were screening Mission Impossible at the IMAX. And it was the only place in the entire country you could see six minutes of The Dark Knight Rises before- Before the movie. Before, I, before, Mission, before Mission Impossible.
2: I would do that if it was the Barbie trailer. <laughs>
1: <laughs> Hashtag same.
0: <laughs> um, and literally, I I went and saw a movie I had already seen because I'd already seen Mission Impossible <laughs> and literally just to see the first six minutes of Dark Knight Rises. And I mean, I did um, the same for Timothy Chalamet. That's fair. <laughs> which one-
2: Oh, I literally like at 1 p.m. in the afternoon, caught a flight to Sydney, went straight in a cab to the Ritz, stood on the red carpet, met Timothy Chalamet, got invited into the cinema, got, what movie? saw the the king. Oh, right. Saw the Q&A. I had to leave before the movie started because I had a flight back at 8 p.m. <laughs>
0: Wow! And what we thought, what we did that day was bad. I was there for like five wow. hours. Wow!
2: <laughs> just like went to the cinema, went back to the airport just <laughs> to meet him. That's dedication. That's dedication. And I have the signature to prove it.
0: That's dedication. It. Wow! <laughs> wow! All right.
2: So yeah, I, I get, I get it, Blake. I get it, Jacob.
1: <laughs> Taylor, do you have a story like that? I mean, <laughs> you've driven
0: to LA several times for movies.
1: Yeah, like I don't, I don't know if I have one that's like.
0: Actually, you've got the Ready Player 1 one and they kicked you out.
1: What? They didn't kick me out.
0: They didn't let you in.
1: But I didn't go just for that. I was there Uh, for Schmodown stuff too. Fair. Like, but no, like, I'm not going to get into that story. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, But no, I don't really think I have anything particular that's like, like that. I mean, yeah, I've like driven to LA for stuff or like, but not. I think the closest thing that we have is like our almost missing our flight because we wanted to see once upon oh, a yeah. time in hollywood in yeah, the uh our, in the cinerama dome
0: which <laughs> i'm so glad we did because, in the movie <laughs> yeah because that cinerama dome's gone it's no longer uh oh, yeah, that's sure. that's you can't see movies there anymore but yeah we uh we we went and saw once upon a time in hollywood at 5 30 at night no, At 5 30 our flight was at midnight
1: at lax
0: at lax <laughs>
1: Back to Australia. Yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah. Oh, <laughs> and that's what like a three-hour. movie?
2: That's a three-hour yeah.
0: movie plus twenty minutes of ads and trailers. Plus
2: getting to the airport after
0: that. Plus no, getting back to our mates' place to yeah. pick get our up our bags, bags and then get to the, the
2: airport, airport
1: where you have to be there like three hours early. Yeah, <laughs> we were there,
0: and we. I think it's the shortest time I've ever spent at LAX. So, <laughs> yeah, yeah, that
1: was a whole adventure.
0: We made it. We got back in time. It was fine. Um, cab ride home. The cab was interesting <laughs> yeah anyway uh I, all right does anyone have any final thoughts on avatar
1: <sighs> next film giovanni rubisi or we riot <laughs> <laughs>
2: uh blue people sexy uh
0: okay. dad
2: dad bond or we bring riot. the dad bond <laughs>
0: <laughs> okay uh my uh, i um, i'm just gonna say if you don't like the first one you're not gonna like this one but honestly True. like this movie's awesome <laughs> this movie's fantastic even for all of its problems in the world and there are plenty I don't care I love this movie
1: it's great it's great it's pretty good and honestly Zoe Saldana has given her all like she's great
0: um out of five what's your rating for what for this what's what's your four. rating four four I like how we've all got very different reactions or we all have given it four stars
2: <laughs> <laughs> different reasons yeah. that's the
0: thing alright guys thank you so much we are very sorry this is the late episode uh, but uh, we have been very busy this week and uh, weren't able to all see it uh, the best time Yeah, we,
1: are, we weren't all able to go to the swanky screening where they paid for all your drinks sorry Jacob. I have a full time job Jacob
2: where I actually have to attend work instead of not just <laughs> bludging <laughs>
1: uh, <laughs>
2: anyway
0: yeah anyway um <laughs> Guys, uh, next week we do our final recap of our last minute movies. So the last the movies that we are trying to see before the end of the year, we've got a couple that we've uh, got some screenings for this week that we're going to talk about, including uh, man uh, a man called Otto. Uh, I want to uh, I want to dance with somebody. Puss in Boots, uh, and there's a few yeah a few other movies that we we're just going to play catch up on.
1: I will be talking about none of those movies. I will be coming with my own assignment. Fair Thank enough. Thank you very much.
0: <laughs> um, but until then, guys, uh, Taylor, where can they find you?
1: At Finally Tailored. Yeah. Everywhere.
2: All of the places. <laughs> Elena. You can find me at Laney Film on Twitter and TikTok and at Elena Violet on Letterboxd and Instagram.
0: You guys can find me at Jacob London pretty much everywhere as well and all my movie reviews on Letterboxd where you'll see me gush about movies and not give films five stars until next time guys. My name is Jacob and this has been the lights on a screen podcast and we will see you next week.